Thanks for listening to the Table Church Sermon Podcast. We're in a series called Kingdom Skills, Getting Good at Knowing God. And in this sermon series, we discuss the skills we need to develop for life in God's kingdom. That's a life that can hear God's voice and do God's will, and it is exactly the kind of life you were made for. Everything worth doing takes practice, and following Jesus is no different. So let's dig in and sharpen our kingdom skills together. Be sure to check us out at tablechurchdsm.org, and please never be afraid to reach out. Thanks, and enjoy this week's teaching. Amen. Welcome to Table Church, everybody. It is so good to see you here today. I want to reiterate a few things that Pastor Megan just said. If you're new today or if you're new-ish to Table Church, uh, welcome. We'd love to meet you. In fact, we have a gift we want to give you at the Welcome Center. Please stop by. It's right out there at the top of the stairs. Stop by and say hi. Uh, Before I dive into the message, I want to do something a little special today. You ready for something special? All right. Cool. Yeah. Uh, Pastor Megan and Jim, would you please join me on stage? So as you guys might know, um, about a year and a half ago, we purchased a building, and it's our ministry center. Obviously, we don't worship there on Sundays, but it's a space where we get to have ministry the other six days of the week. And it's been a tremendous blessing in the short time we've had it. Uh, We have our offices on the top floor and then on the bottom floor. uh, We do all sorts of stuff. I mean, that place on Tuesday afternoons, if you stop by, that building is hopping with kids from Edmonds that we're tutoring. Um, I mean, most days of the week, I think there's something happening. A group is meeting, a Bible study, or something's going on. It's just been a tremendous blessing. When we got it, it did not look amazing. The outside looked pretty good. The inside did not. It now looks amazing. And there are some people to thank, most notably Jim and Megan, for that. Uh, We are now like inches away from being done with the whole renovation. Like he's literally, he was putting the handles on the cupboards the other day. Like we're almost there. A couple little things to take care of and stuff. Um, But first of all, I want to thank you all, all of you who have come and put hours and time into this project. Thank you so much for all that you've done. It's been huge. But I especially want to thank Jim. He has spent hours and hours, weekends and evenings. I mean, he has a full-time job, right, doing engineering stuff. Uh, And then he comes and he works on the building. And Megan has been, if you you like the look of Table Church, you can thank Pastor Megan for that. Um, She's painted, she's decorated, she's made it look amazing. And so I want to thank them today. Um, But I want to to do it, not just thank them, I want to actually uh, show our appreciation to them. And we uh, we have something we like to give them, and um, you know the thing about a building project is you use your credit card a lot to buy materials, and when you use your credit card a lot, you rack up credit card rewards points. We now have 93,000 rewards points, which uh, translates into, I won't say how much, but a lot of money, enough money to get you somewhere very far from here for several nights for free. And so we're going to give them the rewards points just as a big thank you for all that they've done. And would you join me in thanking them as well? Thanks, guys. Uh, and they're good sports, too, because I know they didn't want to do that, but here we are. Our, uh, our passage today is John chapter 10. Verses 2 through 5. If you have a Bible, feel free to open to John 10. If you don't have a Bible but you'd like one, just raise your hand and the ushers will bring you one quick. Raise your hand high in the air. And um, if you don't own a Bible, you can keep the one that we give you. We just want you to have a copy of the Bible. So 
Uh, I hope that you can look at the text with me here today. John 10, 2 through 5, it will be on the screen above me as well. It says this, The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. I am a skeptic by nature. I'm one of those people who, uh, you know, I just like to get to the bottom of things, be certain about it. And so what that means is that if someone comes to me and says the words, God told me, I'm going to, my eyebrow will be very high. Like my radar is going to be up. I'm like, really? God told you. I'm a skeptic. I want to get to the bottom of things. And I mean, we live in an age of spiritual hucksters, people who have mastered the art of deception, have convinced millions of people to follow them because God told them something. The Bible even warns us against what we might call false prophets. These are people who claim to speak for God, but are actually building their own kingdom. And so, yeah, I'm a skeptic. I've seen People get burned by this. Some of you have been, I think, and you know what? I don't like it when it happens. But here's the problem with my skepticism. One of the most assumed facts in the whole Bible is that God does speak to people. That God speaks to people. I mean, they're in almost every chapter of the Bible, God's speaking to somebody. The, the, the fact that God speaks to people, that his people can understand him, his people can obey him. It's all over from beginning to end. And so that's why I'm learning, you know what? Skepticism might not be the mindset a believer should have. Skepticism about whether God can speak to me. I mean, that, that has shipwrecked our faith in the post-enlightenment industrial West. Like that has shipwrecked our faith and left us with a hollow shell. So we start a new series today and it's called Kingdom Skills getting good at knowing God. And we're talking about some of the skills, some of the lifestyle habits and abilities that we want to develop as people who not only live knowing about God, but people who live a life with God. And I believe that there are certain skills that, that we can, by the power and the grace of God, develop in order to improve our ability to live lives as citizens in his kingdom. Today we're going to talk about learning the skill of Hearing God's voice. Now, to those of you who have a skeptical streak in you like me, here's what I think the Bible may be teaching us today. It's this. We must follow Jesus out of skepticism and into wisdom and discernment. In fact, if you're afraid of being misled or tricked by some crazy false teacher, the answer, as it turns out, is not to get more skeptical. In fact, the answer is the opposite. The answer is to lean into your own ability to hear God speak and develop your own wisdom and discernment about these matters. The ability to recognize the voice of Jesus is one of the defining characteristics of his followers. It says in our passage that we read, it says that the sheep listen to his voice. 
And not only that, it says that they can distinguish between his voice and other voices. It says, but they will never follow a stranger, in fact. They will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. So here's the question that we must answer. Do I have the ability to recognize God's voice? If God was speaking to me, would I know it? Can I distinguish it from other random things, from the burrito I ate for lunch? Can I, can I tell when it's God and when it's something else? Is hearing God and obeying the promptings of God, is that a regular occurrence in my life? Because listen, learning to hear God, that's arguably one of the greatest tasks for us to recover today in the church. We need hearing God to be the norm, not the exception. You know, for all of our theological sophistication, it's like we've lost the thing that's most basic, hearing and obeying our master. One of the questions people often ask about this is, well, okay, if God speaks to us, why is, why is it so hard to tell? Why isn't he more clear? And you know, I think I've got two possible answers to that question. The first answer is, well, sometimes it is clear. <laughs> sometimes God does make it obvious. I'd be willing to bet that there are some people here who uh, you would say, no, I think there's a time in my life where I, 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 don't, I don't have any other, any other explanation other than that I think God was speaking to me. Maybe it wasn't an audible voice. Maybe it was. Like, I don't know. But God was speaking to me. Sometimes it is obvious. I got some stories myself. I'm going to share some of them later. But what about when he doesn't make it obvious. What about then? Because it's true that that happens. We find ourselves in situations saying, God, I just wish I knew what you wanted me to do here. Why doesn't God always make it obvious? Well, I think, I think the reason, or at least one possible reason why God doesn't always make it obvious is, is uh, for the same reason if you're married, the same reason your spouse doesn't always make what they want obvious. Like they just want you to learn to pay attention a little bit, you know? I mean, Natalie, she doesn't like lay it all out for me all the time. In fact, one of the characteristics of a good marriage, of a good relationship, is that I do things that they want without them telling me because I know them. And so perhaps the goal sometimes for us is to become Christ-like, become the kind of person who just does what God would do, who just naturally does God's will without having to be told, without having to have a divine command to do it. He wants us to become the kind of people who naturally do his will. He wants us to pay attention. Dallas Willard says, Great faith, like great strength in general, is revealed by the ease of its workings. The ease of its workings. What this means is that a follower of Jesus will find it easy, not hard, to obey God. Over time, as we, as we progress in Christ, as we grow towards God, as we get kingdom skills, we find that obeying God isn't hard. It's actually easier than disobeying. So where do we begin when it comes to discerning God's voice? I mean, this is, this is not something we think about all the time. Spiritual writers through the centuries have talked about uh, what has come to be known as the three lights of God's voice. These are three conduits, three possible avenues through which God often seems to speak or through, his, through which his word often comes. The three lights are this, circumstances, impressions of the Spirit, and Scripture. These are three avenues through which God often speaks. Uh, when Natalie and I were much younger, 24, 25 years old, 
we were faced with a big decision. I was on staff at a church. It was my first job out of college. I had a full-time job as a worship pastor. Uh, But here we were a few years into that, and that church that I was at was going to plant a new church in order to reach more people in the community. And we felt like, I wonder if God is calling us to go with this church plant. Now that seems crazy because that would mean like leaving a secure job and going into like no paycheck. You know, that's not smart. And our parents felt that that was the case as well. And, you know, people were like, well, that sounds crazy. But we were praying about it. But we wanted to be sure that it was that it was God's will, that we weren't just kind of being crazy, you know? And so we prayed about it, and uh, I asked God for a couple of things. I said, God, you know, if this is your will, then obviously I'm going to need two things. I'm, I'm going to need a job, but I also said, God, would you let this be something that wouldn't be divisive? I don't want there to be bad blood at the church I was at. I didn't want to, you know, hurt anybody. I didn't want there to be division between the churches because I left one church and went to another. So God, would, would you help that be peaceful? And, uh, and, and even maybe even a good thing. So as far as the first prayer goes, um, the prayer for a job. I had a friend who worked at a music store in town, and I would go, I play a lot of instruments. I went in there often, and I asked him one day, I said, hey, you guys hiring? Um, he said, no, nope, we're not hiring. I said, okay, and that was that. A couple days later, he calls me, and uh, his boss, who owned the store, whom I'd never actually spoken to, but he knew who I was, he said, hey, you think your pastor friend would ever want to teach some music lessons out of the store? And I ended up doing that, having a part-time gig as a, as a teacher. I had over 20 students in my studio, which is, by the way, a very lucrative thing. Worked out wonderful for that season of time where I needed extra income. The second prayer, that God would make this like a, an understanding, a peaceful thing between the, the leadership of my, of my current church. I went to my lead pastor to, to tell him that we were praying about this. I said, hey, you know, Natalie and I are thinking about maybe going with this new church plant. Just want to know what you thought. He was not thrilled by the idea. And I can, I can uh, put myself in his shoes a little bit now. I, like if, if Jay, our worship leader, came to me and said, Phil, I think God's telling me to plant another church in Des Moines. I'd be like, God's, I don't think God's telling me that. No, he's not telling me that. He didn't tell me yet. That's what I'd do. And... Um, so I thought, okay, though, that's that. Two or three days later, he pokes his head in my office. I hadn't talked to him about it since. He pokes his head in my office and says, hey, Phil, um, I think you should go. I can see how this would be a real benefit for the kingdom of God. I think you should do it. And so that was it. Natalie and I, um, in that season, we had a clear sense that the Spirit was leading us to help plant what would be the Ransom Church. That church would grow and flourish and and reach lots of people for Christ, and 10 years later would launch us out into planting yet another church that we know as Table Church. So that's an example of a time where God kind of brought circumstances, spiritual impressions, and of course scripture into alignment for us, and we were able to discern that I think, I think that God is, is directing us here. But I need to warn you with this, the three lights are not sufficient for identifying God's voice. When I say sufficient, I mean They're not all you need. Just because those three things seem to be there does not necessarily mean that God is telling you to do something. I mean, you may really feel like God's telling you to do something. Circumstances may align for it. It may be a generally biblical thing to do, but there's still one more needed element, and that is recognizing the quality of God's voice. 
We must learn to recognize the quality of God's voice. After all, look, lots of people feel like it would be really cool to be a missionary in some, you know, faraway exotic country. I mean, there's a time where I was thinking about it myself, to be honest. And, you know, certainly the Bible has a generally positive view of missionary work. Maybe they even know somebody in a, in a, uh, in an organization in that country or something like that. Maybe they got connections. It's like, oh, things are working out. Like things are lining up. Maybe this is my, this is, this is God's plan for my life. But you know, just because those three things are true, that doesn't necessarily mean that it's God's particular will for that particular person. See, listen, the danger is that we treat the three lights like a mathematical formula. You know, if they're all there, then it's a green light. If we're missing one or two, then it's a red light. It's not exactly how it works. It's more like guardrails, you know, signs, indications, promptings. Look, the three lights are common conduits through which God speaks, but they are not sufficient to know when it is God's voice. Just because I have eggs, flour, and sugar doesn't mean I have a cake. There's still more that's needed. I mean, let's think about it. Sometimes circumstances don't line up. Sometimes things seem against you. Sometimes people in your life are are telling you not to do it. Sometimes you doubt your own ability. You don't have that impression in the spirit. But God still might be telling you to do it. So how do you know? It's that extra criteria. This overarching criteria that has to guide all our decisions. We must learn to recognize the quality of God's voice. See, we learn to recognize the voices of the people close to us all the time. And when I call my wife, I don't say, hi, this is Phil Wiseman. Uh, I just start talking because she knows my voice. So we must learn to recognize the quality of God's voice. I'd sum it up like this. If I were to describe kind of based on what I've experienced and what I've read in others and you know, what I see in the Bible, I would sum it up like this. If I were to describe the quality of God's voice when he speaks, and again, this isn't an audible voice. This is just something that happens in our souls. I'd say this. God's voice has a clear authority that brings peace. His voice is a clear authority that brings peace. I want to talk about the clear authority. Think about 1 Kings chapter 19. The prophet Elijah is on the run for his life. God brings him to Mount Horeb. And he says, I'm going to pass by you. And there's a magnificent wind so strong that it breaks apart the rocks on the mountain. But God is not in the wind. And it says this, after the fire, I'm sorry, then there's an earthquake and then a fire. And God wasn't in any of those either. And then we read this, after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled a cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. See, in this passage, God's voice is juxtaposed against some of the most powerful forces in nature, and God is not speaking through them. He speaks through the gentle whisper. That's what causes Elijah to cover his face. And in the same way, John depicts Jesus as a shepherd whose gentle voice nonetheless has an authority for the sheep. See, listen, God doesn't usually yell. He doesn't usually yell, but his voice is always clear. There will be he doesn't, he doesn't argue with us. It'll be just kind of this firm, fixed word. does not force itself on you, but doesn't go away. You can ignore it. You can run from it. You don't have to do it like Jonah. You know, he ran the opposite way, but the voice never, never went away. It was stubborn. It was there. It's just like, I'm going to plant myself here, and you can do what you want, but I'm here. That's kind of how it works. 
But, but once God's word is obeyed, it brings a peace, I find. For, for me, this is how I know it was God. Because the moment my heart gives in to obedience, it's like I'm flooded with a peace and a certainty about it, which is very rare for an Enneagram 9, by the way. And before we planted Table Church, my wife and I interviewed for a position in, a, in another state. Uh, the position was called a teaching pastor, and if you're not aware what a teaching pastor exactly is, um, it's a position kind of rare in churches. Usually only bigger churches have that because it's kind of a luxury position to have. A teaching pastor, though, like all I would have to do is like this right here. I could just be like the resident Bible nerd and just preach and teach people from the scriptures. Don't have to worry about administration and all that stuff. Don't have to worry about like, you know, leadership and stuff. All I had to do was worry about preaching and teaching. And I thought, that sounds cool. I would like that job. And, you know, the, the guy that led the church is somebody I knew, and uh, he actually kind of reached out to me about it. And so uh, we had several phone conversations about kind of ministry philosophy and everything. felt really good. And so they decided to bring Natalie and I out for like a, a visit weekend, a kind of an interview. This is how churches do it. You bring them out for a weekend and meet some leaders, meet the staff, see the city and stuff like that. So that's what we did. Uh, we went out there you know, and God was like answering all these little prayers through it too. We even had some friends that lived in that city, just all sorts of things where it seemed to be lining up. And when we got home from the trip, uh, we went out on a date to kind of pray about it and talk about it. And, and we felt like, oh, yeah, I think God's calling us to go to this church. I think God's calling us there to, to be the teaching pastor. And we walked away from that date night having agreed we were going to do it. We we're going to accept the job. But you know, there's still just a little bit of unrest in our hearts about it. And I can't really tell you exactly what it was. Just a little bit of something. I think I wanted it more than Natalie, and so I kind of wanted to ignore it and just say, ah, oh, no, I think we should do it. But there was still that thing in there that just wasn't, it wasn't quite right. And that's why the three lights are never quite enough. You must also be familiar with the quality of God's voice. So the day after we went on, we went on that date, uh, we came home, we, we went to bed that night thinking we were doing it. We're going to move to that, that state and... Uh, and, and Serve that church. The next day, I stayed home from work, really sick, and I laid in bed all day, like just curled up with like tummy issues, and and I was sick. And I and as I was laying there in my bed, slowly this this impression started to form in my mind that I was supposed to call the pastor and tell him we weren't coming. And I was like, nah, nah, not no, that's just me. But it didn't go anywhere. And in fact, throughout the day, it kind of grew, kind of got a little louder. And I'm like, no way, no way. And finally, at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, I'm like, okay, okay, fine, God, if this, this feels crazy, but if this is, I felt like this is what you were doing, where you were leading us, but if, if you're not, then okay, I'll obey. And, and, um, and so I texted the lead pastor of that church and said, can I call you? And the moment I sent that text, it was like something lifted off of me. My stomach suddenly felt better. I had a peace. I was still like kind of confused. I, I didn't know what was going on. And so I called him. I was actually crying a little bit. I was like, dude, I don't know what's going on here. I don't think I'm supposed to come. And he's like, really? I thought we were tracking. I was like, I know. I thought we were too. I'm sorry, you know, and, and, uh, and we didn't do it. But a peace came about me and I just felt so much better. In fact, we went and had burritos at friend's house that night. That's how much better I felt. And I don't know why burritos are a theme in this sermon. I didn't do that on purpose. <laughs> I thought for sure I was crazy. But you know what? Not long after that, Table Church came on our horizon. And eventually God led us here. 
Listen, one clear way to know if you're in God's will is that even if it seems crazy, you'll have this peace about it, this kind of certainty in the Lord. And as I look back on my life, there have been a lot of moments where that has happened. Look, when, when Elijah hears God's voice, God comforts him in a moment of need. When Job hears God's voice, his soul is finally at rest. Like, that's, that's all he needs. Of all the things swirling in his life, when God speaks, he's like, okay, yeah, I repent, he says. When Moses hears and obeys God, he gains a, his life gains a laser focus that it didn't have before. He was wandering around. He didn't know what he was going to do with himself. And then God shows up, and now he knows what his life is about. Because, because it brings a peace and a clarity that's unlike anything else. And so the question that we should ask ourselves is this. How do I become the kind of person who can recognize God's voice? And I have a couple suggestions that I would love for you to consider. The first is this. First, we have to be humble before God. We have to be humble. God doesn't, like I said, he doesn't like to yell. So we have to be humble and willing to listen. And willing to obey. John Wesley describes this kind of person. He says, There is a soft, yielding spirit, a mildness and sweetness, a tenderness of soul, which words cannot express. So one of the ways you can be sure that somebody's like full of garbage is if they boldly claim they've heard from God, but their hearts are full of pride. And, that they, and they never seem repentant of their sin. They never, say, they never think they've done anything wrong. They're sure of themselves. John Wesley talks about that person too. He says, instead of being more meek and gentle and teachable, more swift to hear and slow to speak, they are more slow to hear and swift to speak, more unready to learn of anyone, more fiery and vehement in their temper and eager in their conversation. They're the ones always talking, always saying, always having the answer. So look, some people think that they are the infallible word of God. Guess what? They're not. So be careful with the person who has a prideful certitude. And if that's you, be careful. The true disciple of Jesus will have a quiet, kind of a non-anxious presence. They won't they'll rarely assert themselves as experts. They will be willing to talk of their shortcomings. And they'll have a grace and a humility and a wisdom about them when they do. The second thing I would recommend is this, that we practice with God. I think it's okay to practice just like any other skill. Look, there's no substitute for quiet listening prayer in a believer's life. The more we do this, the more we become attuned to hear the voice of God. When I was in Zambia this summer, the staff at Poetis, which was the missions partner we work with, um, they, they encouraged us to spend time in the mornings listening to God, praying, and, and even they said, like, ask God if there's somebody that, you want, he, that he wants you to, to minister to today or to interact with. He said, maybe ask God to give you a name or a face or a shirt color or something like that. I shared a story like this a few weeks ago. I'm going to share another one now. I was doing it one morning, praying, Lord, if there's somebody that you want me to, if you want me to talk to, would you let me know? And I, um, I heard the name Horace. I don't know anybody named Horace, but it just came into my mind. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I've never met anybody. And I'll just tell you off the bat, I never did meet anyone named Horace that day. But I went to a clinic to pray for patients, and as we were standing in the entrance, letting, waiting to be let in, obviously a gaggle of Americans in the middle of Zambia kind of people, you know, wonder what's going on. This guy comes out of the office, and he taps me on the shoulder and says, will you come with me? And I said, sure. And I went in the office with him, and there was a woman in there who had sent him out because she wanted to find out who we were and what we were doing. 
And so I just said, hey, we're just here to pray for the patients. And she said, oh, that's wonderful. Um, will you pray for me? And I, and I prayed for her. I asked her, um, you know, what's your, uh, your, what's your family like? What do you do? What do you need prayer for? And she told me, so I prayed for her. And as I was leaving, I looked back and I said, hey, what's your name? And she said, Doris. Okay. So I, I, I don't know if my reception was just a little fuzzy or what. But, you know, I, we're talking about mysterious stuff, right? And I believe I'd had an, a divine encounter. We need hearing God to be the norm, not the exception. But that can't happen until we're willing to make space for God to move in our lives. Henry Nouwen said this, that solitude is the furnace of transformation. Solitude is the furnace of transformation. So get quiet and get alone with God. Pour your heart out to him. Talk to him. Get in the word. You want, I think the best way to, to know what God is like is to read scripture. And here, here's my challenge for you today. I think as you came in, you received like a card. I would love it if, if you are here and you could really use some direction in an area of your life. You need God to speak into something right now. Would you write that down? Would you write that down on your card? And um, as the band plays, we have a prayer team in the back. They've got the red lanyards on. Uh, would you just take it back there? And the reason I have you write it down is sometimes, sometimes it's easier just to write it quick than try to explain it. You know, you can just hand it to the prayer team member and, uh, and, and they'll pray for you. They'll pray over that situation, and they'll see what, what God wants to say, what direction you're supposed to go. And, you know, here's the thing, too. John Wesley even taught this. He said, if you don't hear from God right away, just don't quit. Like, go until you, Jesus teaches, he teaches about this. He says, he talks about the persistent widow. Like, there's a judge who doesn't care about anybody. And uh, she just keeps going, going to him, seeking justice so much that she finally annoys him. She wears him down. And he finally gives the answer. And it's like, well, I don't want to compare God to a mean judge. Um, but Jesus apparently did. And that, like, that's obviously not the comparison he's trying to make. He's saying, like, keep trying. Keep praying. Be persistent with the Lord, with your Father. Don't quit. Don't quit. Look, the reason why our pathway starts with this, hearing God's voice, our discipleship pathway starts here. And it's because everything in your walk with God must begin with knowing God's voice. If you'd like to check out our discipleship pathway, it's like one of the most sense. The reason we exist is to make disciples. Go to discipleship.guide, check it out. And in the first chapter, we'll talk about hearing God's voice. And you can go through some of those exercises if you'd like on your own. Or you can buddy up with somebody. It's made for two people to go through together. You can spur one another on uh, towards growing in your faith, growing towards God. But for right now, if you have an area of your life where you're just crying out for God, for direction, for a word, for discernment, would you write it down, take it back here, uh, and, and the prayer team will be there uh, waiting to pray with you and to lift that up. We want to join with you in that, okay? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you are a God who speaks. Let us be people who can hear, people who can listen. Lord, our world is noisier than it's ever been, and so it's harder than it's ever been, I think, to hear you. And unless we consciously make the choice to swim against the current of culture, to quiet our lives and our hearts and our souls, to calm our restless spirits. Lord, we, we won't hear it because you won't yell. You don't usually yell. You usually come as a gentle whisper. 
And so may we turn away from the fire, from the earthquake, from the, the wind, all the other things that vie for our attention that want to compete with you. And may we focus on your voice. I pray these things in your name. Amen.